Welcome to the first The World in Our Perspective podcast. My name is Tia and I'm excited to host this first session. I am delighted to have Sam and Drake with me today to talk about the upcoming midterm election in America. Before we get started, let me tell you why we're doing this podcast. I study a double master in political science and international relations. The first year of this, I will study here in Barcelona at IBE. Not only do I get to study the world's countries, I also get to study them with classmates from 41 countries all over the world. I was sitting in my development class the other day, listening to my classmates' perspectives, and I thought to myself, gosh, I wish I could record them so I could listen back to this and get more of their knowledge out. Then I thought, I wish I could share it with other people who might also be interested, but do not get to study in this community. I then knew that I had to do a podcast. Yeah, a little writing. <laughs> um, in the World in Our Perspective podcast, I will talk to my classmates about matters that are important to them. The podcast is called The World in Our Perspective because it will be my classmates, everyday people, and not experts, sharing their perspective. My intention with doing this podcast is to stress that everyday people's perspective matters. It should be expressed, it should be listened to, and it should be tried to be understood. The podcast is a platform for constructive engagement, which I think is very much needed in these times where we see one democratic election after the other, where populations are outraged after the election day because they did not foresee nor understand the election outcome. I wonder, if we listen more, can we bridge the polarization and find a common ground? With this being said, I do not know how to do a podcast. <laughs> Already, I have received, thank you. Already, I have received much help and support from my wonderful friends. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it was very much needed, but still, making this podcast would be a learning process for me, for sure. Uh, anyone is welcome to participate and send me tricks, ideas, and inputs, but. Any engagement on this platform has to be constructive in line with the world and our perspective rules of constructive engagement. The rules are, one, be respectful, two, seek understanding, three, practice integrity, four, intent uh, concision, and five, engage constructively. The 30-minute podcast is nonprofit and will be out fortnightingly. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being on here. I'm really excited about it. Okay, will you please briefly introduce yourself, name, experience, and party of choice? Would you start? Sure. Uh, my name is Sam Tallman. I'm currently studying uh, with Mundus Map, which is a two-year master's program in public policy. Last year I was in The Hague in the Netherlands, and this year I'm finishing up, um, obviously, here in Barcelona. Uh, my undergraduate was in economics and political science, um, with kind of a focus on Latin American development. But um, but yeah, generally I'm curious about all things international uh, and domestic politics, of course. Um, what else did you want to know? I Party tend to choice. lean to the right, um, but I am a bit disillusioned by the two-party system in the United States. I don't necessarily have a solution, but I think that um, the people who would normally represent me in my party don't. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I certainly don't have a home, I think, on the other side of the aisle either. So I tend to be centrist and I don't follow a party line, but 
I guess um, for the purposes of, purposes of this discussion, that would be the Republican, uh -huh. the conservative at least. Yes. Okay. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Drake. Uh, yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, I am Drake Starling. I am also a student here in Barcelona at eBay um, in international relations. Um, my undergrad was in political science, uh, French, and European studies. And um, the party of my choice, I think I might mimic Sam a little bit here in this, uh, absolutely, definitely the Democratic Party. However, um, I do not feel that the majority of the Democratic Party represents my values or represents the um, shifting attitudes of, well, my generation and the country yet. Uh, so I guess I'll say Democrat for, for sure, but um, yeah. And if I could just add one more thing, because I think this is something a lot of people in at least our demographics would probably appreciate, which is that the, the binary of Republican and Democrat, both parties have like a bit of a fracture at working at the moment. But I know a lot of people that are just, they don't find a true home in either. Mm -hmm. And so they end up, um, I think as a result, there's two things. One, they bury their heads in the sand and just say, no, I'm not going to be involved in politics. They just don't want anything to do. Right. And the other is that they end up aligning themselves with interests that aren't theirs. Correct. Right? So they Correct. end up sacrificing a lot of the things that they would find in themselves important. But because there's no politician that like actually represents that or pushes for those ideas, then we end up getting stuck in this big gray area that encompasses both sides. Mm. But you wouldn't qualify yourself as being independent. It, de it depends actually on where I would live. Okay. Um, because the way that some of the state primary systems work mm -hmm. is if you're registered as a, as a Republican, you can only vote in the right. Republican right. primaries. Mm -hmm. um, but if you register as an independent, you can't vote in either primaries depending on the state. So. And in other states, you as an independent, you can vote for both. Okay, so, I think that's a great point, actually. Let's yeah. let's use that to talk about America and how the political system is set up there. So sure. you have a president. Yeah. What what does the election system look like in America? So I mean, basically, from the get go, we have um, well, unfortunately, a two party system, like we've mentioned. Those are usually the two uh, front runners to any election. Mm -hmm. um, Everybody above the age of 18 is eligible to vote with, unfortunately, um, even still this persists to modern day, the exception of convicts um, and other individuals who are disenfranchised. Um, gosh, certain citizens do not have the right to vote in the United like indigenous States. indigenous people. Uh, yes, and this has a lot to do with legislation that disenfranchises them without immediately saying their names. Of course, no legislation is going to say, well, the... Uh, Native Americans are, you know, here forth disenfranchised from voting. Um, although this is uh, still on the books in many places, I think in Guam or American Samoa, they are American citizens, but they legally cannot vote. Yeah. Um, just on a point on the mm -hmm. territories, it's the same with Puerto Rico. They also don't pay federal income taxes, so they they are. I believe Puerto Rico pays taxes. No, not federal taxes. How often do you uh, vote? for elections in America. Do you only have one election or do you perhaps have a midterm election? It's actually a little confusing. We have the biggest one, our presidential election, and usually that coincides with many other Senate elections, um, governors, houses, but because not every state is lined up in that way, um, we have 
there are lots of other races for governor's houses and state legislatures that do not coincide with other big national voting dates. So right now we have our midterm elections tomorrow. Everybody's a little freaked out about it. And um, only 35 Senate seats are up for re-election. Um, this is structured in such a way, I think actually because one of the things that our founders um, really did not, well rather, were terribly, terribly afraid of was tyranny. They wanted to have elections to keep the executive power in check every so often. So we have midterms two years into a presidency. Mm -hmm. That's always the case. What usually happens is depending on um, the approval or disapproval of the president um, in the White House, uh, his party tends to lose in midterm elections. Um, Oh, sorry, caveat here. We only have 35 Senate seats up for uh, re-election, but there are 100 Senate seats in total. Mm. And all 435 seats in the House of Representatives are also up for re-election. Every two years. Every two years. Um, so that means tomorrow all of them are, are up for grabs. Um, so that's, I think, like a, a basic intro to the way that the midterms are going to... Okay. Sure. Um, can I just yeah. say one more thing about the, the Senate? Absolutely. It'll be very concise. Um, yes. So the Congress is, or uh, House of Representatives is up for re-election every two years, all of the seats. Um, the Senate has six-year terms, mm. and they're staggered. So no, right. they don't all get elected at once, so that there's some continuity um, throughout the process. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is a part of the design to avoid too much radical or rapid change. Yeah. Um, too quickly and to create some sense of continuity with the policy yes. that like the policy can't be reversed every two or four years right well it I, ideally <laughs> ideally right okay. right right okay so <coughs> my next question is what you guys uh, voted for in the last election uh, I'm curious for what candidate you wanted to support and why like if it was some specific values that you wanted to support or if there was some kind of mm -hmm. event that prompted you to vote for that specific candidate. Um. Sam, do you want to? Sure, yeah, I don't mind jumping in on this. Um, so I uh, didn't vote in the last election oh, because I actually was upholding uh, the majority of my values by not voting, I think. Huh. Um, neither candidate really met the standard of, from just from like a human being, regardless of policy, just they weren't morally sufficient to um, I think run the country that I love. Mm -hmm. And so I also had major disagreements on both of them with policy, but um, I think the United States showed the world the two of its worst, I'd say, um, from a political candidate. But this also, again, testifies to the importance of the institutional setup in your country, mm. you know, that you only have two candidates to choose from in that situation. So if you don't agree with any of them, then... You're kind of out of luck, yeah. And that's certainly what happened in 2016, is that yeah. a lot of people decided that it wasn't, you weren't voting for who you liked best, it was, mm -hmm. you were voting against who you liked worst, right? So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, um, just people choosing the lesser of the two evils and, and not. Yeah, that is something I, I actually, I kind of want to push back on a little bit. There's this general notion, um, or at least there was during the 2016 election cycle, that we were faced with just impossible decisions. I mean, I'll, from the get-go, be very honest, I voted in, I was living in Maryland at the time in the Democratic primaries, I voted for Bernie Sanders unequivocally, mm -hmm. but the moment it became, I have to say, he gave Hillary quite a run for her money, um, 
the moment it became clear that she was winning um, throughout the country, I immediately thought, well, of course, like my vote will go to her because I know that the present threat of having a Donald Trump presidency is so profound that I would probably even vote for another Republican if it were if if that were his opponent, if John Kasich were his opponent, hell, I do not John K- like John Kasich's policies at all. I don't really like any Republican policies, um, but I would have voted for anybody who was able to put up a fight against Donald Trump. And of course, the option at the time was Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Where I take issue with is that a lot of people tend to see that um, Donald Trump, or at least saw this in the 2016 election, both were equally corrupt or equally disliked or equally stupid or equally heinous or equally immoral. Um, Hillary Clinton, the Clintons as a whole, they definitely did have a handful of corruption within uh, their family, within their administration, the two previous Clinton administrations in the 90s. But there should be no equivocation here. Hillary Clinton is a well-prepared highly intelligent individual who respects democracy, who has been trying to usher in a better progressive age. However, I disagree with her on the fact that she is far too tepid Mm. and she is far too incremental. It's just these little tiny quick fixes. It's it's interesting for me that you say that, Drake, because you initially you didn't vote for her. You voted for Bernie, so why was that? Because I knew that the direction that the country had been heading in for the past 30 to 40 years with the advent of neoliberalism, um, the free market ideas have been touted. I think I want to take a step back here. Mm -hmm. Free market is next to the hand of God in Republican ideology. It is the end-all be-all. It fixes everything, but of course the evidence says everything to the contrary. Um, Healthcare is a perfect example. We have had a free market healthcare system in the US for the better part of the past half century, um, up until Obamacare, which arguably actually made things worse. But that healthcare has been, I mean, obviously privatized, extremely expensive. We spend more per capita um, than any other developed country in the world. We still have millions of citizens that are not insured. We allowed people to die for failure of accessibility to pay, failure of medication. Bernie would help that. Oh, he would have um, pushed for a single-payer healthcare system. And this, I want to actually help um, put further a little bit of that. it's just because Sam is covering his face. Why are you covering your face? Because I just have so many things I can respond to. <laughs> okay. Um, no, 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 but I want, I want to let Drake finish because um, his point is his own. Actually, yeah, I want to continue a little bit further. Even the White House recently re- released a report called The Opportunity Costs of Socialism. Um, and they were saying, look at this, all these other countries have very long wait times Mm. for um, seeing specialists and doctors for their senior population. But look at the U.S. The U.S. has only a few weeks of wait time compared to um, Canada, compared to the U.K., France, and so on and so forth. But if you look a little bit further, I mean, if you actually look at it, you're realizing they're only looking at seniors. Mm. For a non-American, this might be news to you. Seniors in the U.S. are covered under Medicare, mm. which is America's single-payer healthcare system. Yeah. To say single-payer would not work because look at all these other countries. 
That's fine and dandy. What we're currently advocating for on the Democratic side is Medicare for all. So as a matter of fact, the White House ended up making our own case for us, saying, look, you'll have shorter wait times because our system works the best. And we go, well, that's great. Let's expand it to everybody. Mm. So that is um, one of the, I don't know, the ironies within the recent White House report. Sorry, I went a lot there. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where to start, I, either with the healthcare thing or with um, Bernie Sanders and Hillary. I guess I'll start with, with the latter point. Sure. <laughs> because I think that it was telling how much people, um, just the, 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 the hatred for Donald Trump, mm. especially, I think, the Bernie Sanders supporters who ended up voting for Hillary is like a good case of this because there was evidence that Hillary Clinton, like, had a major role in why Bernie Sanders lost the primary and oh. was cheating in the, uh, the, the Democratic primary debates and uh, just had, you know, every scandal, nearly every scandal for the past 30 years as a Clinton one. And so to switch over is really just like exemplary of how much anything other than Trump was, mm. was um, desired, even though one candidate had like a proven history of corruption and one was just like a sketchy person who... That is, I, well, I'll let you finish, but I, that's just empirically not true. The FBI has been looking into Trump for decades. And now that we see his, his administration is in full swing, I don't think Hillary Clinton would have put children in cages, would have tried to roll back gay rights or trans rights or let's, voting rights. Let's get back well, we, can get, we can get into yes. all those policies, but yes. like, I actually, I, I disagree with you. But, okay. um, and I think that the media has a huge role in skewing public opinion um, away from Trump. I think that there's a major campaign um, amongst Democrats and sort of this mainstream media entity that kind of gets thrown around a lot, um, of everything we do has to be to discredit Trump. But um, why is it that people dislike him so much? Because he's brash uh, and he's inarticulate and uh -huh. he, um, I think, is tapped into an anger that a lot of Democrats have for, that just didn't recognize. I saw a map recently of, of the middle kind of column of the United States in, in the 1992 Bill Clinton election. Mm. And he ended up, the, there's a there's a huge blue wave, or right. not blue wave, a term's coming to new meaning yeah. now, but um, a blue swath of voters in middle America that very rural, that if you look at the Trump election 16 years later, it's just a, mm. or uh, 26 exactly. years later, yep. it is totally, totally changed. And but, so I think a lot of that is just that mm. uh, there's a disconnect between um, a huge amount of states and a huge amount of voters. I actually want to support Sam's uh, comment here. This is absolutely true. Um, the Clintons came to power, came to power, or voted in um, on the backs of a lot of working class Americans, labor unions. Mm. Unfortunately, the Democratic Party in the past, whew, gosh, 60 years has abandoned a lot of labor class movements and they take their money and then they go, oh yeah, yeah, but we're actually going to sign NAFTA and uh, TTIP. We're going to do all of these things. What are they about? So all of these different trade agreements end up um, having the effect of making these corporations relocate their bases elsewhere in the third world for cheaper labor. And so as a result, many of these workers are either left without jobs, left without um, Gosh, payment, healthcare, so on and so forth. Do you forth. agree with that, Sam? 
Um, that's, that's actually the charge that many Trump voters have thrown at the Clintons, which is not false. It is, well, I mean, at least to them. Yeah, no, I think I think Trump's um, tirade against free trade is is um, economic illiteracy in many ways. I think free trade has uh, been proved as the way that we like move from a zero sum economic gain to a positive sum. Uh, comparative advantage in Ricardian economics is like fundamental to. Uh, growth and development and why we're able to work with other countries and both benefit. That's, um, it seems apparent, which is actually why, you know, I, some of the, the, some of the trade war and tariff stuff that Trump's um, been pushing for recently, I think is uh, uh, blistery to say the least. I think it's just, a, it's a risky game that Trump himself so thrives in chaos. But can I respond really quickly to one of the things you said about healthcare, which yeah. is that um, people from around the world come to the United States for healthcare because it's cheap and efficient. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to the high cost of healthcare, that doesn't like that's not considering um, car fates, car accidents, and murder rates, which the United States has unprecedented levels of. Um, I just I think that the, the amount we spend per capita is a skewed number that doesn't tell the whole story. Okay, I want to circle back sure. to Trump for a second. Uh, it's interesting because we have two guys from both sides of the aisle. That's how you identify yourself. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. None of you voted for Trump. Um, could you guys then perhaps give me some perspective on then why some of your countrymen voted for Trump? I actually want to try to take this one first just a little bit. I grew up in a very, very uh, religiously conservative environment. My family... Um, where was that, Drake? This was in, well, Miami. Uh, originally from Miami, but as a teenager, moved to uh, the northern part of Florida. Very, very Baptist, evangelical, conservative. Okay. And I remember being in high school when Obama was elected and uh, many of these... Uh, People acted as though it was, I mean, the end of times. And that's when I started paying attention a little bit more. I mean, you're, what, 13, 14? You don't know anything about mm. the world. And I started realizing that many of their... They would say one thing, they would do another. They would say that they, you know, followed Christ or the teachings of, of certain morals and values. And then, of course, they would not do those things and they would support politicians and leaders in different communities that were explicitly non, I mean, did not represent Christian values. This um, sort of coincided with the rise of the GOP in the Tea Party in 2008 and 2009, dismissing all facts it did not like as fake. Well, that's not true. This is a lie. And then you saw the rise of these fringe uh, outlets. You had Rush Limbaugh, even Glenn Beck and Alex Jones, and they pushed their way into, well, not so much Alex Jones, into mainstream conservative media. And I mean, if you look at Fox News today, it's plain and simple to me why we, why Donald Trump does not need um, state media, because he has Fox News. He can do no wrong in their eyes. And a, a site like that, rather, a network, um, a network's values and actions represent those of its viewers, and these viewers can see no wrong in him. It does not matter if his campaign uh, chairman has been convicted on crimes against the government of the United States, and I think that's a verbatim quote. His personal lawyer that they voted for a man saying, we're moral, we're Christian, whose second wife took him to court for 
rape who said if mm. I if I weren't her father I'd probably be dating Ivanka I mean it's the mind seizes trying to hear Barack Obama say the same things and so, then them giving him you know oh, oh no no but he, that's that's not what he meant do, do you agree with that Sam do you why do you think that people voted for Trump so I think I think the argument you're trying to make is that people well, I'm actually not entirely sure what argument. I was trying to say that a lot of people are misled by the media that um, actually informs them or that they choose to listen to because, of course, media shapes the scope of conflict. They say, this is an issue, this is an issue, but these things over here that are actually important are not whatsoever. They don't even bring them up. So, you know, they say, well, you know, uh, the real issue is that uh, Democrats are trying to bring in all these illegals and, and uh, Obama is a, a communist Stalinist. And this... This takes, I mean, this then shapes the beliefs of the political leaders that subscribe to this type of media. And it, it's unfortunate to see that the GOP, whatever was left of it, um, morphed into this conspiracy theorist party. It's, it's unfortunate. So what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these actions, uh, many people supported Trump because they they were very misinformed. Um, I'm not saying all. I'm saying a decent chunk of them um, were definitely misinformed about, well, reality. And then another decent portion were saying, look, what have we got to lose? Because we've bet on Obama, we've bet on Clinton trying to make our plight better. And neither of them have done it. Even Reagan didn't do it. Nobody has done it. Nobody's paid attention to us. And these are the large swaths of middle America that once went for Clinton that have now gone for Trump and, I mean, have been safe red territory for the better part of the past 25 years or so. Yeah, so I think I think that last point is, is probably closer to where I said. There's a lot of people that were disillusioned by the last 10, 20 years of American politics. Yeah. Um, though I, I, I think a lot of people were also really upset with how the Obama administration turned out. Mm. Um, the economy was not growing very quickly. The um, uh, premiums for healthcare had risen by three hundred percent. So you know, people who were paying three hundred dollars in two thousand seven um, were paying upward of like twenty five hundred dollars towards the end of it, and that I think angered a lot of people off. Uh, angered a lot of people, um, especially when the Obama administration pushed a lot of. Um, Rhetoric that you know uh, you could say you're the huck, you could say you keep your doctor and you wouldn't the premiums wouldn't go up right that that pissed a lot of people off and I think that they saw Hillary Clinton as an extension of a lot of Barack Obama's policies um, including her role in his administration uh, and failures as Secretary of State and, and failures in my mind um, and also the general withdrawal of the United States on a number of major um, stages I think that. First off, we also saw a really low voter turnout, which I think is important to note. So there were a lot of people who said exactly what I said, which is there's these, neither of these candidates are worth anything, yeah. uh, and so I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not gonna stamp my name next to somebody who I don't believe in. And I I think less so than the misinformation about Trump. Um, I think people who re supported Trump recognized how brash he is. Uh, which is why when he says something ridiculous, I don't think he loses that many that much support because mm -hmm. you know you tell a lot of people who voted for Trump that he said something ridiculous and they say yeah what's new right um, so you had this you had to kind of race to the bottom but I think that that Hillary Clinton's failures to present herself as a trustworthy candidate really hurt her immensely and I think that also there was this 
there was this sense both within the media and but also within public opinion that um, Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. Right, ninety-nine percent chance that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Everybody, I mean, many including of the polls, Trump, still actually said that Trump had a decent chance of winning, but. Of course, the media did not want to look the at certain, that. The certain rhetoric was but that. But why? Yeah. why and so there was this huge push. Yeah. Sorry, let me just finish this point. There was this huge push to say, okay, we've got it in the bag. There's no reason to vote. Mm. And everybody was marched up. Hillary Clinton's going to win. Hillary Clinton's going to win. So you had a ton of people who didn't leave their house because they, you know, Hillary Clinton's going to win. I actually why did people think that too. Hillary Clinton uh, was going to win? Because the, the outrageousness of Trump's victory uh, was beyond what people could imagine. Uh, that there was this, there was this candidate who said outrageous things, who uh, had no history in politics uh, as a, as a, an elected uh, elected official. Um, I think no, I think a lot of people didn't take him seriously until That's right true. up. People did not take him seriously. And one more thing is that uh, the 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 narrative from the left towards Trump, at least certainly during the election, and, and it's continued now, mm-hmm. is that Trump's a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, a misogynist, like fill in the blank. And therefore, if you support him, you're one of those as well. Mm-hmm. And so then you have the polling, um, all, all the pollsters go around and say, who do you support? Do you support the person we just all collectively called a bigot, a misogynist, a xenophobe, a racist, blah, right. blah, blah? Well, those people are going to say no. So the polling numbers exactly. were very exactly. off. And then it turned out that he had a lot more support than than people thought because That's nobody true. wanted to own, I mean, you you're going to call me a racist if I told you? Uh. Did you predict that? Did you think that he was going to win? No, um, I, I did have a bit of a weird feeling going into election day. I voted and I remember going to a, a bar in D.C. and Washington, D.C. is one of the most liberal places. It went for Hillary Clinton by like 95% or something like that. And um, I remember sitting down and I was like, wow, things are not looking great went to the bathroom, came back, and it was just dead silent. And I looked around and people were in tears and I was like, wait, this can't be right. And people were like, don't you get it? It means she can't win. And I was like, but we haven't, we haven't waited for Hawaii or Alaska. And they were like, even if she wins those outright, she's not going to win. There's no way she can win. I remember going to work the next day um, and everybody on the Metro, it was like they had a, a family member that died. Nobody was saying a word anywhere. Um, uh, we all at work watched her concession speech. I mean, I'm talking about grown men in their 40s and 50s crying. Um, and then eventually my boss was like, you can just go home because I, I was not holding it together very well. Um, because I was um, afraid of a lot of things. I was afraid of, um, it just seems so evident to me that what we are witnessing now was going to be part of everyday life under the Trump administration. I was really worried that my right to marry was going to get taken away. And it seems that we have Donald Trump throwing forth the federal judiciary, judiciary appointing judges at record pace that are anti-LGBT. Um, I mean, even Brett Kavanaugh, even, um, gosh, who's the one they stole from Merrick Garland? Um, Neil Gorsuch. Thank you, Neil Gorsuch. Um, these things do make me worried because a lot of times when people go, yeah, 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 but the economy's doing well and this or that. Oh, but you know, these people over here are doing well. And I'm like, but at what ex- why did it need to come at the expense of me having, being married or at somebody getting healthcare, pre- preventing them, like not being able to die or well, at somebody, those, those things have a worry. Happened. 
were kind of worried. I mean, no, no, that the but reason I'm, that I'm healthcare was not repealed was when you due... say that, Sam, because you know, I we have to start wrapping things up here. Oh yeah. Uh, and coming closer to what has happened since the election and, you know, now what will happen tomorrow. Could you guys give me your perspective on, perhaps you can start, Sam, with what has happened in the past couple of years and what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Who's going to take more sure. seats? So um, midterm elections tend to be referenda on the president mm -hmm. um, and in the, uh, on the party in charge. Um, and I think that's a beneficial thing. That's, that's part of the beauty of democracy and you have that uh, pendulaic swing um, of parts. Um, I think that, uh, well, so I know you wanted to get away from kind of expert analysis and I'm by no means an expert, but I was reading on some of it and sort of what it seems like right now is that Democrats will win somewhere around 30 seats in the House of Representatives and uh, to take control of, of Congress or the House um, and the Republicans will probably win a few seats in the Senate to maintain control. Um, I think that the main, the Republicans have a lot to look forward to in this midterm. I think there's a lot, a lot riding on this, on this election. Partly the economy is moving, right? And I, and not to demean or belittle any other issues, but uh, a lot of people vote with their wallets um, and the economy is growing. Unemployment's at record lows. Wages, um, there was just a report this past, this over the weekend, right before the weekend, that wages went up 3% um, and, and surpassed inflation, so real wage growth. Um, I think that there's uh, an immense amount of enthusiasm from the Republicans for uh, booming economy and trade growth um, and, and job growth. And you think that's gonna prompt people to vote Republican for the midterm? Absolutely, I think that's, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think the enthusiasm on the, on the Democratic side is also pretty high, so it'll be, I think, a toss-up, and there's a lot of really competitive seats. Not all 435 races are competitive. There's about right. 70, yeah. I think, who, that are really important, mm -hmm. um, and maybe 30 of those could probably go either way. Um, but I think, I think Republicans have a lot to look forward to. And you voted and, Republican for this one? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay, Drake, real short. Real short. Yeah. Um, the Democrats are for sure, uh, it seems that they're definitely going to take back the House of Representatives. The Senate, although I haven't been optimistic about it, um, in the past week or so, uh, I've been checking the polls every day like a madman. Things have been uh, a little interesting. You look at um, Texas, hasn't had elected a Democrat in more than 30 years. You have Beto O'Rourke, who nobody knew about until two years ago. Mm -hmm. Not only is he giving Ted Cruz a run for his money, he's now, as of today, 49 and 49 percent. Mm -hmm. It is possible that Beto O'Rourke could actually win the Senate seat. He could be the first blue senator. And by no means is he a moderate. I mean, he said, I support single payer. I'm pro-choice. Um, abolish ICE. Yes, abolish ICE. Um, and this shows a trend not just in the parts of Texas that Democrats have given up on for a very long time. We're seeing similar trends throughout the country in places that we just never thought a Democrat could ever be competitive. Mm. Now, not only are they competitive, they've been flipping seats since the beginning of the Trump administration. It seems that the country is undergoing a massive cultural and political shift. And I think, given the way that the Democratic Party has been moving, you can look at, I know we're not supposed to get into experts, Polls show that people trust Democrats when it comes to health care much more than they do Republicans. Um, I still want to combat the idea on uh, of uh, uh, economy and health care. As a matter of fact, I actually wanted to bring that up with you. The um, 
Obamacare was taken off of uh, the conservative uh, health care idea from the Heritage Foundation in the 90s. So but did you vote um, Democrat? I can't because actually I've been a Washington, D.C. resident, and the, since the U.S. is not a full democracy, we have taxation without representation in D.C., and I can't vote because we have no representation in Congress. Thank you so much for uh, participating, you guys. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris for helping me with recording this session, your lovely wife. I want to say thank you to Meredith, Daniel, Olivia, Jessica, and Nick. All of my friends here in this lovely community, thank you so much for being so supportive. And I hope you guys want to tune in on our next episode of this podcast, The World in Our Perspective. Thank you guys. Bye. Thanks. Oh, wow. Okay.